this is how me hey what's up everyone thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the financial griot aka tfg i'm one of three of the co-hosts atlanta elson and i'm joined by my other two lovely co-host literally her name is lovely here at the financial griot we love to discuss our stories and just perspective of wealth building and making us hopefully into better people so i am here what is going on with you guys lg yeah i thought you was gonna go to lovely at that point but yes my name is lawrence lawrence delva gonzalez and yeah i'm throwing a little shade a little you know start off a little bit of violence right now in the conversation but ultimately uh, I'm known on the interwebs as the neighborhood finance guy. I love to talk about that wealth journey as well, the stories that we have. And I just came off a, a beautiful trip with my wife to Portugal and Spain. Just kind of rub it into all you people struggling out here in these streets. I, I was there in 2019, so you hey, know. That's a, I was there before then too. I'm just saying, 2019, <laughs> I was there. You know, I'm going back at some point. We's already under, you know, it's not about that. It's not about me today. We do have a guest. So we're going to get to our guest, but right before then, I'm going to let uh, the other uh, co-host that's sometimes here, sometimes not making the big bread, lovely Mel Delis. Hey, everyone. My name's Lovely. As I said, I'm super excited to be here. We have a great guest, and we're going to talk about some numbers, finances, thoughts on um, getting financial literacy and wealth. And I hope that you enjoy this particular episode. With that being said... No, I'm gonna do the. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what the professionals do. They read off the script about the person, so I'm gonna read it off a little bit. I stole this from somebody else's stuff or from your bio online, uh, um, Dami. And I want you to actually enunciate your your full entire name for the audience because I think that's also good to get people more familiar with different names and how people say their name fully. But he goes by Dami for short, and sometimes he's known as Dami the CEO. But he's a young Christian entrepreneur. He currently runs a podcast called Wealth in Christ. And he also has a clothing brand that actually associates with it as well. Dami was born in Lagos, Nigeria, where he ate a lot of good jollof. But he migrated to the inner cities of, of, of Queen, the inner cities uh, of Queen, New York, at the age of four. He grew up being known as the guy that's very passionate about Christ and business. So now he's on this journey to really kind of push that to the audience, the idea that you can actually have the best of both worlds. You can actually be a Christian. You can actually be very spiritual, barely endowed with that and morally um, correct and also be in a position where you're kind of being a good steward of your own wealth, your own finances. So you can do more with it and ultimately uh, change the world. I, I personally believe in the same thing, that money is not the root of all evils. I think having more people, more caring people, more good people with money will do more good for the world. So I'm going to pass it on to you, Dami. Let them know who you are. What's up? What's going on? Um, thank you for the introduction, um, Lawrence, and thanks for having me here as well, Atlanta and Lovely. Um, like Lawrence said, um, I'm a young entrepreneur based here in Queens, New York. Uh, I've been on this journey for almost two or three years. Uh, my entrepreneurship journey goes back to when I was in high school, when I was in middle school, when I first started selling snacks. Uh, for those who I know, like New York City lunch are not the best kind of lunch to have, and I was not a fan of it. And so my mom noticed that. So she would give me a bit of like snacks or like honey buns uh, when it was back at 50 cents. Now I know like they're like a dollar and something uh, or brownies. So I would take them to school where she buy like the pack of like cosmic brownies in a pack, like like one ninety nine back then. And, you know, I have two brothers, so we all get two, two each. So I would take my two and go to school and sell it for like a dollar, 50 cents to make some profit and go and repeat that same process. Every time I get some type of snacks, um, you know, it led to me selling my school lunch in middle school. Then when I got to high school, um, there was this guy, uh, he was selling candy. And I was like, okay. He was selling candy, I was like, and I was like, this is a cool idea. And the vending machine in my school had broke down. So I was like, oh, what if I can just go to Dollar Tree or BJ's and start, you know, bringing these different snacks, you know, and make the money myself. Um, so I started doing that um, my freshman year of high school. I did it all the way to my senior year of high school, middle of my senior year of high school. Um, through the journey, I had people invest. You know, I had this one guy, you know, where he would give me a certain amount of money and he'd have, I would like use it to invest and I'll give him a certain dividends at the end of the week. Um, I also had a structure where I had other people sell it for me. So it was not all about me then. So like, you know, I'm not always gonna be available because I also ran track while in high school. So it was like 
throughout the day, I know that money was being made, people were making money. Uh, I know who to go to for certain products, you know, what client wanted this, what customer wanted this. So that was my very first taste of entrepreneurship. Um, but like everything, everything does come to an end. Um, I did get suspended because it was, I guess, illegal to sell stuff in school. And I was very stubborn about it and not wanting to listen. Uh, so that led to my suspension. That almost at the same time kind of disrupt my spirit as an entrepreneur. Um, I didn't know it was an entrepreneur what I was doing back then, just to clarify. But it's just like, yeah, I'm not going to do anything with regards to business because in real life, you're not going to get suspended. You're going to go to jail and all these lawsuits. Like, okay, so I went um, on to college, um, wanted to become a doctor. I was inspired by watching a Ben Carson documentary. Um, the, I think the gift they hand was very like, oh, I could do something like this. A black man um, who changed the world, I can be that same way if I can't do business. Uh, so I went on to do that and it was just behind, like, just like you mentioned in the introduction, I was always still interested in business, still interested in, but I just didn't know how I could start it all over. I was only used to what I knew in high school. I didn't have no mentors. I didn't have anything. And anytime I asked people for it, it was like, they don't know. Um, you know, because people I was around, everybody I was around was blue collar workers, you know, teachers, lawyers. No one was necessarily an entrepreneur, um, which led me in around 2019, early 2020. Um, I was always been praying, like, God, if this is an opportunity for me to start a business, I might call and start a business or be in a business world, like, give me a sign or something. Um, and Came with the word um, wealth in Christ. Um, came with that, and from there I've been running since. Been interviewing about fifty plus entrepreneurs from different backgrounds. You know, teachers. So it's been an interesting journey so far. Dope. I think I had that somewhat a similar experience with selling um, candy. Then one day my mom, uh, I went back home. I had my whole supply, and she grabbed my whole supply. And she tossed it to the trash. She said, "You're not doing it." And I think it was the same idea, or she heard from somebody else that you can get suspended. But ultimately, like that also crushed my spirits. I never even back to selling. I was selling candy, like it was, it was, it was dope. Selling candy, cars, Pokemon cards, basketball cards. I was, I was that guy. So we, you even... we did it a little <laughs> bit, but we ate all the food, so that's why the candy thing didn't last in our home. <laughs> We're trying to be the candy lady place in the neighborhood, but we kept eating all the fu- the stuff. <laughs> yeah, it sounds interesting that you had people investing and also paying out dividends. I'm like, man, I got really deep. <laughs> like, I got really yeah, deep can you? Exp- yeah, I was just gonna ask that. Can you explain that a little bit more uh, uh, specifically? So, in, yes, in about pro- your illegal illegal dealing, illegal activity. Please do not do I'm, that I'm, at school. We just want to let our listeners know. Some kids, do some kids, some kids listening <laughs> right now. It's like, mm. Don't don't do that. We don't want you to get suspended. But no, uh, Dami, can. Can you please explain that? Like for so, for example, they'll give you what twenty bucks, right? And you will go and purchase the products that you need for the week. And how would, in terms of dividends, what percentage did you give them back from their initial hypothetical twenty dollars? Um. So, uh, so like that, hypothetically, I got twenty dollars. Um, it got me a lot of products. So you know, that twenty dollars usually turns to maybe like thirty or forty dollars, depending on the day. So I'll give them half. I think it was like half. So basically it was put the um, the profit half, the other person gets 50% and I would get the other 50%. And it would just be a weekly process. You know, next week you may give me 40 and I do the same thing, you know. But regardless of how I sell or if I did not sell a product, the person always got his dividend at the end of the week. That was the agreement that we had. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned that the students shouldn't do it because once I graduated, um, the school kind of banned any type of selling of anything, whether it was candy boxes or chocolate bars, like they stop it because I was making money selling my own candy and I was also selling out the school candy. So just like, I was just selling out everything and they didn't want anybody to get inspired or, you know, think this is a new thing. So they stopped doing that um, once I graduated. And so, yeah, they look for other ways to fundraise. You know what? It's, it's so messed up. And I hope a uh, educator or someone in professional, uh, education system higher up listen to this right now because it's so messed up because that's a great opportunity to have entrepreneurial courses and stuff like that for children because i remember i remember like i had kids this is i had students um that i used to buy cds from remember how you burn cd you could make a mixtape and everything this is when I forgot what the software was called. Napster, Napster, Napster and all this stuff. So, and and I, um, they showed me how to do it as well. So I had a skill set back then. I knew how to download the uh, specific music. I used to go to a friend house and do everything where legitimately they were making a profit in a business because people will submit the songs they want and they'll like remix it however they do it in, in the so- soundtrack. 
I'm like, yo, this is a great opportunity for people to learn how to make money outside of, you know, the just basic academia uh, school field. But uh, uh, that's my tangent. I'm just saying it was. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do this in their defense of the, the educational system or even just any system. Even at my job, they don't really do like exchanges between employees. One, because an employee could short somebody else and it could become an internally contentious scenario, especially between kids. Like you don't know who said what, what said who. But on top of that is the quality control when it comes to food and the sale of anything. So if somebody gets sick, you know, who's at fault now? Then the the parents get really mad. They're not going to get mad at the kid. They're going to get mad at the school, the teachers and so on and so forth. So because of it, they just wipe their hands of it. That's food. I I get that. I get that portion. But now we see now we see how tech it is now. The people that were really good in doing that could have expand their skills and skill set. And that would have been a great opportunity to juice children and students into coding, into other tech STEM fields if they want. I'm just saying it was a missed opportunity, something I learned to do over time because I had a friend that was downloading music. But I'm just saying, I never liked the fact how they kind of like shut it down without really exploring those um, those skill set for children that may be beneficial oh, because burning burning you know CDs was also illegal. But I'm just going back to Downey real quick. <laughs> like, you know what? Like let's, it was let's, also, let's, let's, there's, let's, some rules. Just, there's some SEC rules and stuff. Like it's, it's some pretty, it's illegal. That's stuff. why they shut down. <laughs> yeah, uh, what I can say is that it did like the, the reason why I got suspended. Um, I was doing a lot of buzz, of course, around the school, from all grades in the school. And so there's this one. So basically how it started was this girl, um, she had came to me and wanted to buy Gushers. I was like, sure, you know, I buy my products, you know, the beginning of the day or late the day before, the day before, depending on my track practice or my schedule. And she had bought the Gushers for whatever reason, you know, she was on her cycle. Then she was like, the Gushers was not, it was not hidden, right? It was not the same taste um, for her at that day. So she had wanted a refund it, like want a refund. I was like, nah, uh, you can't get a refund because you already opened the product. You already ate it. You already, I don't know what you did. You want me to take it back? I was like, nah, that's not going to happen. So she went to the assistant principal and they called me up to the school, um, to the office and like, uh, we need to stop and you also need to suspend that as well. So, so she snitched how, on you uh, essentially. Yeah. Really? So that's how it went. I mean, they knew I was selling. Um, they took my candy and they ate it. Eventually, all my snacks and then they ate it in the office. Uh, so, I did, so it was like, I had about $50 worth of product um, in my bag and it was just distributed. Hey, so um, salty about that. Like, he I feel salty too. Like, like specifically remembers this stuff. It's a painful stuff. I'm not going to lie. Specifically. Um, and just to, just to go on to what Lance said, I think that schools, like I understand your perspective in terms of um, control, you know, making sure that no student gets sick. But I feel like, you know, in, in school, they should, you know, encourage kids to look outside of just being a regular, you know, doctor, lawyer, you know, because a lot of people, we have different skills, we have different talent. Just in the same way, I made a video recently um, that in this current economy, everybody's trying to become an entrepreneur, but being an entrepreneur requires a certain skill that not everybody has that skill. You know, we still need lawyers, we still need doctors. I feel like whether it's school, whether it's wherever we find ourselves, I think we should expose ourselves that there's different ways we can go about reaching financial freedom. That opens up a lot of questions too, especially how you kind of uh, now on your path, are you doing this full time? Or are you just, um, what? It, I guess, what's your career path right now? And are you um, doing the, the podcasting on the side? Or are you kind of like, you know, I guess doing that just full time? So, so the podcast, I do it full time, you know, on, on a weekly basis, I put out a new podcast. Um, I interview people almost at least every week for the most part, um, edited and clipped it myself um, as well. I have where, you know, I invest in the stock market on the side. Um, I also do tutoring where, you know, to help support the support my business and things I'm growing and attend conferences, um, you know, I buy different like courses and things of that sort, like mentorship to help me. Uh, so this is something that I just truly, I'm truly into 100%. Um, so I don't have a, a typical nine to five job. And I feel like if I did have a typical nine to five job, it would be hard for me to be as consistent as I am in terms of producing content, in terms of, you know, reaching out to guests, in terms of following up back with guests. 
And I feel like that's a skill that most people don't realize that they just see the entrepreneur in the next five, 10 years, they have a million dollars or they have a million subscribers and they think it's that easy, but there's certain skills you have to adapt to that a certain kind of person you have to become in order to attain that success that you want. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize that. Whoa. So you basically say you're full-time doing this. How do your parents take all this information? I know you're Nigerian. So yeah, Nigerian. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like, it's like, what mean? You're not a doctor? Failure. <laughs> oh, yeah, what ended up happening with that too? What was your journey from not going into medicine? Uh, so the journey not going into medicine, like, you know, I feel like what is entrepreneurship, what is any career, you need to have an honest conversation with yourself and realize is this something you really want to do or is this something that you may have gotten inspired with as a child, you know, you must have watched a TV episode or watched like a documentary like I did, you know, uh, Ben Carson, like, oh, this is something I can do. But I did not realize like the work actor that it takes to becoming a doctor. I didn't realize like, you know, the different type of um, courses, you know, different type of chemistry equations I need to know. And I was not, a, you know, in high school, science was easy, but college, taking organic chemistry, biochemistry, it definitely whipped my butt a bit. And it kind of discouraged me. And, you know, I did have mentors and things, but I just felt like it was not for me because the only reason I would have became a doctor or kept on going to passion, it was just the money. It was just like outside of, you know, going into business or being an entrepreneur because I didn't have mentors, like I mentioned, when I graduated high school. Um, so just like the only thing I could think of, you know, if you're not doing business or anything, it was just to go into um, just to go to college, you know, do my four year degree, um, become a doctor and all the money I'll make, I'll go invest into properties. I look at my vision board from years back is literally that, you know, when I get to a certain stage of my medical career, I buy property, I will invest, I retire my, um, retire my parents. That was literally my goal. But, you know, going through college and realize how much I was struggling and I was not enjoying the process made me question, this is something really for me. And I felt like that's what people need to understand themselves. Like, yes, you're going to go through struggles. Yes, you're going to go through challenges to become the person that you want to become, to reach that goal that you want to become. But are you enjoying that process? I feel like if you're enjoying that process, you'll be able to withstand days where things are not going well. You're able to withstand days where you don't feel like doing anything. So that's pretty much, and having a conversation with my parents um, was very tough uh, to say. My mom was like, oh, why do you want to do this? You know, business is not, there's no guarantee that you can make it, but I'd rather do something and know that I at least try. You know, a lot of people, especially in the, you know, Nigerian African community or just in the Caribbean community, we like to just um, put stuff in a box. Oh, this is all you can do. You can become a lawyer, engineer, doctor, nurse. It's all you can do to become successful. And you realize there's so many different talents that you have in you. Yes, you may be good at science, but it does not mean that you can make a good doctor. There's still more that goes to becoming a good doctor in terms of how you communicate with patients, in terms of how you relate information with, um, to patients. Um, I feel like it was a hard conversation. My mom once she understood that, you know, that was my mindset. This was something that I was going to do regardless. You know, she didn't necessarily, whether she support me or not, I was going to do it. Um, in regards to my pops, he was still on the fence on it. He still doesn't, to him, it's like he doesn't understand what I'm doing. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I'm still in the growing process. I haven't made any significant money from this. Um, so that's that's pretty much a true different perspective. My mom's on board. She sees it. She supports me when she can, but my pops is like, why can't you just go and become a nurse or a doctor? What did you, what did you, what did you graduate in, in college? Uh, I graduated in uh, biology. I graduated in the hikes of the pandemic. So that, so that was basically my whole thing, the pandemic. So 2020, I graduated. He's young, young. He's like, I'm out here, man. <laughs> college is a, it's a ways behind me. It's, it's like up. 10, over, over 10 years for me. Well, you gonna say 10 years or you? For me. Yeah, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> we not were you. there at the same time. Nah, 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 nah. We wasn't. <laughs> well, like we were there at the same time. Lovely. I know you've also kind of gone through the same situation with your parents. What, what do you think about his story? You think he survived for now? Um, I think the story will kind of like pan out depending on how successful he becomes. Either they're going to say, hey, you did a great job. Congratulations. Or they're going to say, I told you so. But I think if you have the the drive to stay on the road, the path and be willing to pivot, because I think that's what I'm hearing. Like you're I feel like you're coming into who you are. 
you know that the the foundational, I want to be entrepreneurial, I'm doing these pieces. But I think as you continue on the road, you'll be able to clarify what does that mean for you? I think when we think about business ownership or entrepreneurial, like spirit, whatever you want to call it, we kind of see it only in one way. I think you're still tasting and seeing, okay, which of it is going to work. But I, the one thing I would encourage you to do as you're walking through this process is like we had this conversation in the previous um, podcast was be willing to pivot, right? So you're doing wealth in Christ. Like how do you monetize that? How do you serve a community consistently? And where are you also investing? I know you said you're doing like stock market. I think when you're tasting a lot of things at the same time, you're trying to figure out what your palate is. And building out your skills, I think in the long run, as long as you are consistent and be willing to do those pivot as necessary, then you'll be fine. Um, I think our parents are thinking about survival, right? Everything is really focused on you need something that you're going to be able to eat. You need something that no matter what. And that's why they chose at the time it was engineering. It was lawyer. It was doctor because they knew that for the most part in those particular industries, you're going to get a job. You're going to find a place to work at. And even if like I know a couple of lawyers that don't practice law that are working and they make pretty decent money because when you get the JD by proxy, people just assume that you're smart. Like it's one of those degrees. If you have it, even if you're like the dumbest one, I have met some people that I'm like, I, I know God is not good to call people dumb, but man, I'm telling you, like they're not as astute as you would think, and but they have the JD. So by proxy, our society rewards those that have certain degrees or certain status. I think what you're trying to tell your parents is like, you want to forge your own path. In forging your own path, you have to then figure out the level of discipline that it requires forging your own path because you can't fall back on, well, I got a JD. I can just walk into almost any company. And because I have that, they'll give me something to do. And so entrepreneurship, like if you put it on your resume, it's not something that pops out to people because they're like, well, you're measuring yourself against yourself. Whereas, you know, our society rewards a particular structure. So I think parents, they're just going to have to kind of see it through and see your success and making sure that you're saying it, but you're actually doing the work. And I think by being here, it says that you're willing to do the work and share your story, which is a, a great start. Yeah, I, I'll double down on that. I think it's, it's interesting to see how people are deciding to themselves. And also, you have to stand in opposition with the people that you love sometimes in regards to what you want to, to uh, pursue in life. And that's not a bad thing because that's the challenge. Like your dad presents that, that challenge. He's like, hey, do you really want it? And some people, when they're hit with that challenge, they back off and the, the dad looks at them like, well, I, I guess, <laughs> I guess you didn't really want this. But the fact that you're pursuing it more and a lot of us are actually have to make these decisions, even beyond our parents that might not see the same vision. They might not know where we're going. They still love you. They just they want to know, are you 100 percent committed to the game? I I think that's probably what's most um, interesting about your vision of marrying, marrying up wealth and Christianity into one frame, because a lot of times growing up, I was always, you know, Catholic in that sense, always taught that money was the root of all evil. That was like the, the words that just swirled around. And in some way that the, the poorer you are, the more pious you become for some reason. You're like, oh, you are like, what? You have no money? Oh, you walk on ice. <laughs> like you're the person. You're the perfect person. How do you feel about these like uh, money myths that exist, especially as it kind of swirls around our spirituality and maybe what we've almost like internalized subconsciously from those, those messages that we thought that we heard at church? Um, that was definitely a great question, but I want to just tally back on what Lovely said and as well what she said in regards to my journey on entrepreneurship, you know, one thing I do preach, you know, as my journey, um, this is not something I've been just started. Like I said, I've been doing it from high school and I would say anybody said on, on any podcast or anything going, the entrepreneurship is not for everybody. There's certain skills, there's certain, you know, dedication, there's certain discipline that you need to have um, that most people are not willing to make that sacrifice. Most people are not willing to make like, you know, make a sacrifice, you know, whether they can't go to the bar shot, they can't get their nails done for a certain amount of time. So I don't think entrepreneurship is for them. You know, there's different ways you can reach this financial um, freedom, but you have to figure out is this something you're going to do and how long you're going to stick with it. You know, it's going to be five years, it's going to be 10 years. As you can probably tell, you know, 
looking back at 2020, a lot of people started investing into the stock market. Now, looking back now, most of the people are not investing because they didn't understand that investing is a long-term thing. And a lot of people quit it. I have friends that have blue weight accounts, you know, and they're not trading, they're not investing, you know, everything's to them now sounds like a scam. But it's like me, you know, it's, it's like I'm still focused. I still see myself as the successful entrepreneur that keeps me going. I realize that success loves speed. Success is not is not overnight. And the different things I do now, plants and uh, are seeds that are, are going to you know provide food for me in the near future as long as I continue to be consistent. So that's basically what I wanted to say to that. Uh, and in regards to your question, I feel like you know just growing up in the church, you know. Um, you know, and still going to church, a lot of people shy away from the, the talk of money, unless it's about ties, you know, the first fruit, um, or giving to the poor, you know, that's the only time you would hear about money. And oftentimes, you know, when people think about wealthy Christians, the only thing about, you know, musical artists, you know, they think about pastors who some of them may have scammed people to get this money, you know, um, which is, which is a different story, but they don't realize that, you know, because of money, you know, how, you know, we use money is the reason why Christianity is today. When you think about like the Bible, for example, the cost to print a Bible and to distribute around the whole world, you know, to keep that script going, to keep that book going, it costs money, you know, to have like different channels where, or different ministries where people go um, in the name of Christ. So, you know, preach the gospel, that costs money. It's not just somebody just like, oh, yes, go, you're, you're a pastor, you're a minister, here's a free flight. I don't people realize like you know in order for christianity to continue to grow and continue to impact the world in an impactful way you need to have money you know like one thing i recently said is that it's hard for me to go to anybody and say that my god is a god of abundance my god owns the whole world but i uh, if you need help you need my help my entire whereas me buying you a lunch or buying you like a burger and I'm just saying, oh, God bless you. God will provide for you. But I'm in a position I have trained dollars. Why can't I go and buy you a, a McDonald's or a Burger King? And, you know, and then tell you God is great. God is, is wonderful, you know. And also, I will say that a lot of people are not good stewards of their money. They don't want to take ownership of their money. They feel like, you know, that God should just open the heavens and just bless them with money because of they are good people. And, you know, you look at the different stories in the Bible, you talk about the story of the talents, you know, he gave one five, he gave one two, and he gave one one. You know, you look, those are three different people. One, the five duplicate his own and turn to 10. The two duplicate his own and turn to four. The one that has one, he thought like, why can God give it? Why would God give me such a thing? He felt entitled. That's what a lot of people feel entitled that God should just bless them because we're so-called child of God. You know, we're so-called woman and man of God, but that's not how life is. You have to, Basically, going back to the um, the word, fate without action is dead. You have to match your work with your fate. And I feel like a lot of people are not doing that. Yes, we go to church, we go to these different revivals, you know, prophecies and different things. But there's a certain um, ownership that you have to take, you know, for that prophecy to come to pass, for that lifestyle that you desire to come to pass. You look at all the disciples, you know, they all um, funded their own ministry. You know, oftentimes one of the scriptures that kind of like set me off on this journey uh, when I was reading the book of I forgot what I was reading, but Paul, he was talking about how, you know, despite how he must have given back to the Christian community, he had wrote a lot of books. He still, you know, built tents on his own to fund his ministry. And if he was supposed to ask the church for something, why not? Like this book, he wrote like most of half of the book, but still he understand the principle of doing things for himself and understand the principle of, you know, building, using his own work, his, his own hands to build for God's kingdom. Because it's a blessing when you're able to do something for yourself and you're not just feel entitled that people should just do give you something because of that. Oh, he dropped the whole word out here. <laughs> Lando shaking her head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he had the mushwa on and everything. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's something you said here about the idea of working with our own tangible hands and how that's really changing in the digital uh, digital world now. A lot of people aren't constructing anymore. We're not actually yeah, some people have faith, but I don't think we're out there anymore. Like we're not in the streets. We're not actually impacting. How do you, you know, how do you move beyond just a digital uh, digital footprint and actually really go back into the world and actually impact people on a day-to-day -day basis? Or I don't know, maybe it's just a question I want to ask. It's, just, it's not a gotcha question. It's just more an idea that it seems like we're all digital and it's, it's a little bit out there now. 
Uh, I understand your question clearly. I feel like in this digital space, you know, you know, right now we're in Zoom, we're recording, you know, this podcast interview. This is a tool that we can use to push the gospel. We talk about Christianity and finance, you know, whether it's being a clothing brand, you know, that's another way you can you can monetize, you know, you can impact people without being there physical. You know, you can still have webinars, you can still do like coaching call. We can help different people in their faith, in their finance journey. Um, I feel like there's still, those are ways we can still impact the community. I feel like the church, um, a lot of churches have gotten on board. I read recently about 92% of churches, you know, they live sheet in the service um, online. So that's a good thing, but it's still 8% of people who are still stuck, you know, they don't want to make that change. And I feel like as technology become more advanced and we get more digital and AI and chat GBT, you know, the church as a whole, we need to get figure out how we can use these tools to continue to push the gospel. Yeah, I always find that fascinating. Uh, are we doing too much in the digital realm? Which I understand that we could proliferate the information as far and wide, or is it a feeling of being in the sanctuary that we're missing now, especially post pandemic. Do you feel that we've, are people really feeling it anymore? Are we like, are, especially as we hear more and more millennials, Gen Z are becoming spiritual. So they're not really picking a specific like uh, denomination or where they're gonna follow or who they're gonna um, be in proximity with. Is that becoming problematic in, the, the, in how we interpret the word or are people, are, are we not feeling maybe it's crazy but i kind of want like lovely say something about this like what do you think you- I, I think i think you're right it's, it's becoming very problematic you know i feel like you know like i say that pandemic exposed a lot of things you know that you know that wasn't necessary it was there but it was always in the shadow you never really thought about it you never really considered other you know other voices other speakers other religion like you go on tiktok you know you will find Muslim preaching, you find a, Christ, a Christian person preaching, you find a Jewish person preaching, you go on YouTube, like there's all this exposure that, you know, because you was at home, you're able to, you know, binge YouTube, you're able to search different questions. And I feel like the church, when people were in person, they was not answering some of these questions, some of these deep questions about spirituality. So as a result, you know, a lot of these Gen Zs and millennials, you know, during that time of COVID up to right now, you know, they find different speakers who relate to them, who's able to answer certain questions to them. You know, it may be against the, the Bible, but because of that um, feeling of satisfaction, oh, somebody made a video, somebody decided to create a course to help me, you know, it creates that conflict now. Because a lot of churches, like I said, 92% of churches are online, but still that 8% of churches are still not online. It, it creates still a conflict because some people are still stuck in the ways of oh, this is, how it has to be. This is how God told me to be. And then I want to use the tools that we have to spread it, to spread the gospel. Yeah, I think it's interesting that I think what we're, we are doing away from being at the edifice, which is like the location of church and people are making those big changes. But I do have some concerns because I do feel as if it's almost... Um, there's something about being joined in a community. There's something about in person that makes a big difference. I think we need to maybe rechange it, like in terms of like priority, in terms of like, okay, only Sunday services, but there's something about in general, it's like the whole idea of like hybrid work, remote work, like not being in person completely. There's a connection that's not being made. There's work, there's certain high level problems. You're not gonna be able to get the Zoom on them. It's just the reality of it. And there needs to be a meeting of the minds to come. There's some, we are social beings, like by proxy of who we are by nature, we're social beings. And I think we've tried to use social media and digital to fill it and we're seeing suicide go up. We're seeing people be more emotionally burdened And I think it speaks to the testament of like, this is supposed to be an add-on, not a replacement. This is supposed to be supplemental. It's like us taking our vitamins and saying that we're not going to no longer eat food because vitamins are good for us. And it's like, you actually need like nutrition and food. The vitamins are not a replacement of, they enhance your cells to make you better, but you should still be eating like real food. And so I think real food is in person. It doesn't necessarily need to be 
Maybe you don't need that anymore. You could work remotely, but guess what? When you work remotely, if you're home with your spouse, you get to see them more. You're still getting some level of touch point or social interaction. I think it's just important for us not to do away with it because I think if it was working for us, then we would be seeing more progress. But I think we're seeing a regression in how we are morally um, how we are connecting with one another. I think certain principles like that esteem that we don't have, like, you know, back in the day, like people wouldn't drive in front of their, their church with a certain music on, like, let me turn it down. I'm going to listen to it, but I'm going to turn it down passing the church because, you know, God, and not necessarily saying that it's great either, but then there was a little bit of a reverence and because we had something to fall back on to socially, morality, m- you know, certain things that were done were like a no-no in society. And now we're we're pretty much like trying to make certain things okay when something naturally in us are like, something's not okay with that. Even if I'm not a religious person, something about that is not okay. Something in me is like, mm, I think something is wrong. So I think we need to be careful with the digital evolution. I think people think like, oh, I'm going to just get an AI bot that's going to be my best friend and they're going to know everything to say to me. And we're going to recognize that it's supplemental. It's not supposed to replace. And I think as a society, I'm not, I'm not going to be surprised in 10 years, there's a reboot of like movies again, going out again, because it's history circulates itself again. I think there's going to be a resurgence of us seeking out that touch to play because you can't keep playing with a doll. You can't keep playing with your AI like they're a real person. Like you, you need real touch that's just my two cents about yeah, you it might yeah you definitely there's something about it when you said it i was like i started remembering there's a there's a feeling you do get in proximity with others or even sometimes in the sexuary self where everybody's there and you know they the choir is going in maybe the preacher is going a little too long but there's a certain eye contact that you make with your neighbor next to you the, the person in front of you or while you watching it and really feeling in the moment that it's not just you anymore. And I think that's a human experience that we might be missing out on. To your point, Lovely, is like, it's interesting. It's supposed to be a supplement, but it's not working the way we thought it was. So it's going to be interesting to see how we progress in the next five, 10, even 20 years down the line, because people aren't going to church the same. And I don't think they're getting the same feeling because, you know, you could, yeah, yeah, you at church, but yeah, you're going to go make coffee. You're probably cleaning the floor. You're you're listening to stuff online. You're you're doing the dishes. You're not a hundred percent as focused as you used to be. And I think that's part of the journey, especially when considering like your spirituality or even your wealth journey, you got to be focused on it. You got to actually commit to it. So I do love your perspective of just completely jumping into the podcast space, the digital creation space, and being almost like bridging the gap between wealth and Christianity, because a lot of people aren't aren't as cavalier to jump in. And especially with the challenges of being African uh, um, immigrant or even like Caribbean, like we are like, hey, hey, we decided to say, hey, I'm going to go through podcasts all day. My my mom would look at me sideways. (laughs) Like or or Alanda, your mom, your mom would probably just go crazy. Maybe, maybe. She's like, how much money does it make? <laughs> so it's always interesting that we have to create these paths and we have to push forward. So I'm happy that you're doing that, and I'm happy that you're um, seeing the the trends and kind of like trying to implement them in a way that could actually help us all of us. And just to add on to what Lovely said, I think it's definitely important in terms of community. Uh, but I feel like just going back to what I said this first thing in terms of the pandemic, I feel like the pandemic exposed a lot of things. You know, when if you did go to church and you wasn't feeling that, you know, closeness or that, oh, this is my brother, this is my sister, it didn't make a difference whether when you went on Zoom, it just like it just has changed. So as a result, like I feel like people are just like, okay, I'm still getting the same feeling on zoom i'm gonna just stay on zoom instead of going in person and feeling that same thing because just to get ready you get to take a shower you have to brush your teeth you have to get dressed you gotta put on the best comb you go to church i would hope that everybody still brushes their teeth in the morning guys just put that a disclaimer for everybody (laughs) (laughs) hey i know i know what you meant i just want to say that for the people listening like you don't brush your teeth out in these streets guys like do it (laughs) so it's like um just to see that you know um, so for some, a lot of people, that change is still is still there. Like they still feel that emptiness. You know, like Lovely says, suicides are all time high. Um, I don't. I just feel like yeah, a lot of people are seeing this new AI, this new technology as a replacement. 
but they still getting the same feeling that they would have gotten if they did went to community was a so-called partner community. Uh, like I was watching this video um, recently uh, with this member and basically she left the, she left the church and the reason why she left the church is not like, no, sorry. She's like, she loved the people, but she didn't feel like she, she belongs there. Like there's a difference when you belong there and just being there, you know, there's a lot of different groups, you know, but it's Facebook group. It's different when you're like, oh, this person actually sees me. This leader actually sees me. Or this um, brother actually sees me. They actually check on me. You know, a lot of people went through a pandemic without hearing from anybody for six months, nine months. Um, and that does a lot to your brain psychology. You know, it's like, okay, if I can deal with you for not talking to you for nine months, I don't need you now when, you know, things are open back up. There's friends that I haven't spoken to since the pandemic because it's like, you didn't, it was not benefiting me then. And you won't, I don't know if you can benefit me now, you know, once everything's open back up. So that's how I look at it. And while the, you know, a lot of people are still not, you know, willing to come back to church because that, that connection, that community, like I belong there, you know, you see me, you know, you value me being there. It's still, as the church is still, some, some churches are missing that component. I think we kind of undermine when it comes to social norms um, and the, I guess the emphasis is on social, where we have to be out and um, talking to people, communicating to people within our communities or different groups. And like Lovely said, I still remember um, that same person blasting their music coming into church or everyone give you that look because you know you're not supposed to do it and you're still doing it or, or, potentially talking about someone, something happened at church or someone is uh, doing something I'm supposed to do. Like it's, it's all these small social norms or even every Sunday, cause I used to go to church with my uh, God mom. When I was younger, I was always late. And guess what? Church was right across the street from me. <laughs> she, she was always wondering why I'm late for Bible study, but I was always late. It, it was those things. I was late because I was trying to get that pot there from the bakery. That's why I was late all the time. But these like these social nuances and things that you remember, it is like a collective experience in a memory for you. And these are small things like you kind of gather in your memory bank and kind of like this um, refreshing uh memory for you when you're doing these things and, and how it kind of set up your day and set up the tone of your mood because you can wake up and feel really groggy or something happened the previous day and you know at the Haitian bakery before you go into your Bible study you know you had a great conversation with one of the other kids from school or you seen something that kind of like brought up your spirits I remember all those nuances or just praying that my mom give me a dollar so I can make sure I have money for the candy lady after church, right? I remember all those small things and we miss those components as we're getting more advanced into technology and replacing those social norms with, you know, with digital spaces. And we can't continuously do that because you miss uh, a human experience when it comes to those things. And that that Haitian uh, the the candy lady at the church also got suspended. Just to let y'all know, <laughs> <laughs> like at some point everybody gets suspended. To this like, day, she never understood why I was late. Like I was like, always in trouble. <laughs> nah, but I think there's something there about the way that we've changed. It's something that you brought in, Dami. Like the idea that the people that you used to communicate with prior to the pandemic are probably not the same people you could you still communicate with after the pandemic. So it's actually very odd. And I have to start thinking about like, hey, I have to think really deeply all the communications, all the people I used to run into. And what did that mean? And how did I either they abandoned me or I abandoned them? Or maybe we never had a strong enough connection to ever begin with. And your point is well taken, especially for church. People had to put on the face the outfit, the look. I remember a lot of churches, you got to you gotta get in the suit to get in there. Like you didn't have to be in the suit, but you kind of had to be in the suit. It was kind of one of those things. So it forces people that are naturally, maybe they don't even have a suit. Naturally, they're looking around like, I don't fit in anymore. And for, especially for people like that, like I could see why they kind of move away, especially in the situation where we have a pandemic and you don't have to go back in the space where you feel so uncomfortable or maybe not acknowledged or maybe not in proximity to the person right next to you. So it's a lot of uh, interesting ideas here. But how have you been, I guess, doing your ministry on a day, on a week to week basis? How, how have you kind of been reaching out to different people and kind of helping them, 
helping them along the way with their path? Um, I would say it has been a great challenge, you know, starting this journey, like it has been, what do you look at from the church people or just, you know, like you mentioned, being African-American, um, it's like those two different sides, like you never know what either one of these sides going to say, like, oh, why are you talking about this? Um, you know, with regards to the African-Americans, like this victim mindset, you know, why you you know, why do you think that you can just go and get money? You can just get into the stocks, you know, you know, you should value, you should get mentors and all these different things. And in regards to the church, some people are still in this mindset that, oh, having money is evil. And it's like, okay, uh, what do you draw this line between these two different kind of people? And how do you like show them that, you know, yes, you know, the Bible says, Money is the root of all evil, but the, yeah, the love of money is the root of all evil. But that does not mean that money is wrong. And, you know, as an African-American, you know, to address is like, yes, because I'm a black. Yes, I live in America. Yes, the, you know, we deal with racism. Yes, we deal with certain challenges. But that shouldn't limit you as a person and wanting to see yourself um, financially educated, financially having financial freedom. Um, so it's a, it's a struggle, you know, because some people take the message wrong. Some people feel like, why are you even doing this? I have got some interesting messages on YouTube and TikTok. And I just kind of annoy it. Like, you just keep on going. Um, I feel like it's something that needs to be talking about, you know. Because there's other, there's some churches that do preach this, this same message. And, you know, their um, their audience, their members are growing in wealth. They're, you know, reaching different milestones financially. Uh, and there's certain people, um, African-Americans, you know, who have, you know, stopped looking at themselves as a victim. And they scaling through the ranks. They, you know, they're reaching things that their own parents would never think that they will. So I feel like it go back to the mindset. Like I always have to deal with people's mindset, like understand what people's mindset is. And sometimes I just don't deal with it because I just realize that I can't help somebody if their mindset is in a certain place. If they have this victim mindset or they have this, oh, you know, God said I can't do this or this um, limited, limited mindset. I can't help either person um unless they have this abundance mindset they see themselves as victors they see themselves like oh i can do this i mean you know I, god god has called me to doing something great god has called me to use my money to do great things um so that's those are the different challenges that i face reaching out to people on a week-to-week basis yeah i find that actually always kind of funny ironic funny not really funny in a, in a sad way really but the idea that you know, blackness and as well as Christianity, it, it's it swirls together. So a lot of black people are very spiritual. We've always been spiritual. We've always been um, in the church. We've always done the best we can. But we're mixing both of those ideologies, either the victim uh, mindset or even the limited belief mindset. And both of them are swirling together. And whereas even in church, even in the Bible, there's multiple references of you being a champion of you stepping up, of you kind of seeing yourself in, in a light that is, you know, of God himself. So I, I've never been one to, to quote scripture. I've never, and I've never been good at that, but I've always been good at the stories and what they said to me. And it was never one that I'm limited in my capabilities. I'm basically as I've limitless as I allow myself to be. And if I pray for it, if I actually, I guess, commune or meditate and even like really understand what God gives me on the internal level, as far as my own talents, my own uh, ambitions, or even my own skill set, and also realize that majority of that is really by proxy things that He's using through me to help other people. So if I'm limiting myself, I'm literally limiting the reach and scope that He has for the world. So I always try to tell people like, you can't set yourself in that mindset of, yeah, you can't do this, can't do that, or it cannot be done. Like you have to consider yourself as a victor and a champion. And you kind of say to yourself, like, maybe it can be done and maybe I need to try. And I think that's what we need to impart in the community at all points. And I've, I've seen it too. I've, I've reached a lot of people that just didn't want to do it. And we talked about it earlier, Atlanta, like it can't drag somebody <laughs> that doesn't want to actually see themselves as winners anymore. I think it's really interesting to say that um, scripture can be used for different ways. Scripture can be used to do good. Scripture can be used to manipulate. Scripture can be used to encourage and inspire. Um, I think our job, especially if you're a Christian, if you're listening, is not to impose, but to showcase, to let people see. 
I think the one thing that Christ did so well was that he was, he kept saying that, like, I, I'm not here to change this. I'm here to build a whole different kingdom that's not even related to this. And you're going to see the kingdom come. You're going to see healing be manifested. You're going to see that the way of God is better than the way of the world. And he spent less time talking about it. If you notice, most of the time that he was speaking was because somebody asked him a question. And they were asking him a question because of the way he was living. So the foundation of it was how he executed his expression of living. And so I was like, what, what, why are you healing on the Sabbath? And then he would go into this rant and he would say X, Y, Z. Well, why are you doing that? And then he would say, well, da, da, da. it was rarely that you ever saw Jesus start talking without being asked a question. And the questions was often asked because people saw how he lived. And I think the reason why people in the Christian community have a very much big problem with financial wealth is wealth is located in the pulpit. So in the way I say that it's located in the pulpit, if, if there is a level of prosperity in the church, it's only for the, pe- the the pastor. Like you'll see that the pastor is living this life and says, well, you know, maybe one day God can trickle you down. Like it's going to just trickle down from the head. Whereas Jesus made, removed himself from the state of being a high priest or a king and lived among the people to show them what it was to walk out wealth, what it was to walk out. He even said, don't even worry about tomorrow because today has a specific provision. Here's the thing about having today, having a specific provision. If you have a thousand dollars, right? God bless you to have a job and you have a thousand dollars and you blow out the the, thousand that day one, God's going to say, what was the provision for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, Friday and Saturday? Because I gave you the a thousand provision for the day also lets me know that every day should have an allocation of provision every week. Like it's just, it's so good. Like if you really read the word the way you're supposed to read it with revelation, even in him saying that every day has its own provision and every day has daily bread. It's also talking about budgeting what I've given you, stewarding what I've given you for the time and not overextending yourself. It's so much knowledge and so much good but you have to be able to see it. Like I can tell somebody to go to Lawrence because I've seen his evolution. I can say like, yeah, I know in 2012 and I know he's here in 2022. He's about to hit a million network really, really soon around the corner because I've watched that happen over time. So I'm not questioning. I don't have to go pray for discernment about it because I can see it. And I think we're just in a generation where we need to reframe it from a conversational point to a place that people can see it in our lives. Like people can see that, no, something's different about the way you execute. Like you're not, you're going to Portugal and you're traveling like 12 countries and like every year, no, there's something different that you're doing. Or, hey, Atlanta, you're, you're, you're increasing your, your experience at your job. What are you doing differently? What work ethic are you presenting that these opportunities are coming from you, to you? So I think there's something powerful about the, the word of God actually being something that people can see. And that the power of God can be something that people can see. And I think people are tired of the Christianity where we say a lot of things and there's no evidence of it. Because I don't know about you, but I believe God speaks and he shows and he walks. But if you never see that, then it becomes fallacy. It becomes not real. It becomes Santa Claus. Because ain't nobody come down my chimney. So, yeah, that's my two cents. I I completely agree with you, um, lovely. I think you, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. When you look at a lot of people, you know the only time they see a wealthy person, especially in a Christian space, is like a TD Jake. You know they see his daughter. You know they see a Michael Todd. They may see uh, a rapper, or things, but they never see anyone outside in their own circle, in their own people that they go to church with on a regular basis that actually, you know act out you know these different principles that you know that are in the bible so i feel like that's very important for people to actually see in their circles in their community that you know this is how you can apply these different principles and you know i think that will help change this conversation wow oh uh, that was a whole bunch that's at least it got me thinking about what i need to do to just actively um live out my life i think that's always, always going to be the end of the goal the more and more that you pursue the better version of yourself, the more other people can see it. And you can also become an example for the type of lifestyle, the type of Christian, the type of uh, person that somebody else would like to be or like to want to be. 
the reason I was told, I even said that to Atlanta earlier, I said it to my wife, it's never really about the dollars for me or the, the money as much more. I just want to be free from the system so I could go do something else and help out other people. I want to be in a position one day to, you know, like walk in the cafe and say, you know what? I want to renovate this cafe, not because I want to make money out of it, because I see the good people and the good works that they're doing. And I want them to be happier. I want to also provide more for the community. So why not renovate that place? Or hey, you see a couple of kids in the street that that really would need more money you know, spent to them on education. Why not put that into the world uh, or opportunities for them to actually um, change their lives and change their families? So I think those are the things that could tangibly change the world, put food on the table, and just put more happy, healthier people in the game, per se, so they can also multiply that aspect outside to other people as well. So that's what I want to do, and that's why I want to be financially free. And I'm happy to, well, I personally, because I know we're coming out on that hour time, I'm happy to have, um, um, listen to you, um, Damien, your stories, especially coming from a ruffian that was selling candy in the schools to somebody that's really pursuing their dreams and really changing the world in a way that might not be always as palatable as to the next person, but it's something that you're constructing for yourself. And I think that's probably the most important, uh, valuable lesson for me. It's like you're, you're unafraid and being unafraid. I think that's the path. Um, I would, I guess the last question, at least I'd ask for you, like who inspired you as far as like a financial other person? Was it a book? Was it a, like what inspired you to go down this path? Like, was it like, what was it? Was it a person that came out of nowhere and said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. Um, I wouldn't say like anyone necessarily inspired me. Cause you know, growing up looking for like a mentor or like a guide, um, and I myself wasn't someone that was always reading the Bible as consistently, you know, I felt like that's a mistake. A lot of Christian makes it nowadays. We only listen to the pastors or listen to whoever's speaking on the TV or YouTube channel, but we never go back to actually verify what they say, verify this, what they say is true. You know, look at, you know, look at the fruit that they produce and go back to lovely saying like the way they live their life, you know, is this something that I would want to do? And just growing up, you know, I never really see any Christian entrepreneur who was out there, I guess also to do with social media because social media, we glorify a lot of different things. We glorify these hip hop artists. We glorify um, other people like, you know, quote unquote, not Christians for the most part, you know, they reach a certain success and then they talk about God. But for me, it was like really no one, you know, I've heard of Dave Ramsey, um, he does share some Christian belief, but it's not something that he does like consistently. You know, man, here and there he may throw a scripture or two where he may post it and talk about his journey, but it's not a consistent thing where he's talking about, you know, how to literally take the principles from the Bible and actually live it out. Um, so as so I, I can't really point, I just take a lot of inspiration from a lot of different people. Um, you know, I read a lot of different books, you know. I read a lot of I read a lot of Bible myself and just continue to learn. That's literally what it is. Continue to remain a student at this game of life. Well said, well said. Um, I guess another question would be: anybody else has any other questions? That's the first thing. So Atlanta went really deep. But where can everybody find you? Find your podcast, find you know what you're up to, up to or even find you know some of your clothing brand and how you're selling it and those options for them. Uh, for anyone that wants to stay in touch with me, you can follow me on all social media platforms at Wealth in Christ. That's on YouTube, that's on TikTok, that's on Instagram. And for me personally, uh, also my website is wealthinchristbrand.com, uh, where you can buy merch there if you want to. So that's pretty much where everybody can find me. And you know, that's a dope um, name, though. Like, think about it. Like, you slow it down. Wealth in Christ is so easy. My stuff is so complicated, <laughs> like, but the Wolf in Christ is easy to find, is easy to uh, get into, and definitely um, give them a like, share, follow, subscribe, as always, for all the YouTubers, like, unlike Atlanta, who hasn't YouTube in years, so, so you can find me at the Neighborhood Finance Guy, you see, it's a very long title, it's not Wolf in Christ, because that's easy to find, Wolf in Christ brand, I'm the neighborhoodfinanceguy.com, you can find me on all social medias, where I just kind of love to have this conversation about personal finance and different facets. Where can they find you, uh, Atlanta? Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Dami, for being on the TFG um, podcast. Really appreciate it. It was a great conversation, discussion about uh, your platform and your perspective on money and 
relates to um, religion and God. Um, you can find me on IG streets at Atlanta underscore Elson YouTube as well. And Pinterest. I'm really going to try to push this Pinterest thing. It's pretty cool. So yeah, you can find <laughs> me there. <laughs> what about you, lovely? You can find me at lovely Mordellas, um everywhere. Um, Dami, it was really nice to meet you. I hope the best for you in your journey. I would love for us to kind of like a year from now do a resurgent episode to see your progress, especially that I know that you're putting like the bricks down. We would love to have you again just to see what progress have you made? What were the lessons that you learned and how you can share it with other people? Dope, dope. I like it. Uh, with that being said, this is, has been another beautiful episode of the Neighborhood Finance Guide where we have um, guests come on, share their stories, share their perspective and their, um, their thoughts about what's going, uh, what's going on in their life and how it could impact you as well. For me, I definitely learned the fact of like, you got to go out there. You have to determine yourself. You have to meditate and really commit to your purpose and see what you're really good at. Because it, it might be something that really changes your life and changes a lot of people's lives as well. So commit to those talents and uh, invest them, multiply them, and grow them throughout the audiences. So with that being said, the Financial Grill, we out. I actually didn't mess it up. I was going to say the name of the finance guy. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, mm, TFG, we out. Thank you for listening Bye. to the Financial Grill Bye. podcast, powered by the Wealth Builders Collective.